Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And Scott was quite the newsman this morning. He came rushing in just a few minutes ago. He had been downtown to the fire. So, I mean, he's firsthand as far as what was going on there. Anyway, good gardening to you and your plants, of course, whether those plants are outside or inside. If you have any success stories you'd like to share, questions, concerns, comments, or confusion, and or maybe you want some recommendations or action to be taken, you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And let me share what I saw this morning with the Good Gardening Stroll. And the Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And after the stroll, we can discuss what's going on in the outside world. Well, a speed hump makes sure that you slow down to see this interesting combo of plantings and other stuff at Geyer and Mississippi. And under the sliver of the moon this morning, and the sun was just coming up, this, was, this is McKinley Heights, and this is McKinley Heights Neighborhood Garden, and it's in honor of Greg Johnson. And uh, at Geyer, Mississippi, under that sliver of moon, as I said before, a wrought iron fence goes around and hugs, and is being hugged by Opuntia cactus growing through out onto the sidewalk. Oh, my goodness. And then there's boxwood as well. There's a very well-budded pair of magnolias that just can't wait for a little bit warmer weather so they can explode with flowers. There's some evergreen euonymus, which helps soften the alley's presence just behind them. And it's a, a grouping of wooden chairs that are hung on a fence with a frame around it an artwork. So this McKinley Heights neighborhood garden has some really unique things as far as art-wise. And these chairs, there's probably like six or seven chairs there glued to the fence with, a, with like I said, a frame around it. So it's very avant-garde artwork. And this uh, area has a steel ledger and uh, really kind of unique because there's several different kinds of edging to the bed spaces. And, it, you know, the steel edger combines with B-rock and gravel. There's a 30-foot high, well, maybe not quite, 25-foot high Norway spruce. There's a small deck. And uh, there's 
somebody cut some branches, larger branches out of, out of a tree and makes them look like the branches are dancing. It's <laughs> very unique. There's red buds or red berries on the female China girls that are right behind along the fence behind the deck area. And, of course, the males don't have any berries, but uh, they do the pollination so the females can. There's a dogwood tree that reaches out to say hello. A butterfly garden's right next to the dogwood tree along with uh, Sedum Autumn Joy, and they're still quite asleep. Soft bark mulch pathway makes it really kind of nice to walk through there. There are several other shade trees in the area that sing along with some ornamental grasses on this cool morning. Well, time to go. Oh, what is that? This is, uh, you know, this is Mississippi and Geyer. And you could, at first I thought it was just really low clouds, but then I realized as I was looking towards downtown, that's way too dark for clouds. So it turns out that that was the the fire that Scott was uh, checking out before he had to do the newscast. So crazy stuff. The sun was out. Thank goodness. I'm glad. I'm just getting a little tired and bored with the... uh, with the gray cloudiness. But anyway, if you do have any questions or concerns, just give us a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. Yes, as usual, Drew is producing today, so if you do call, just uh, he just needs your first name. He doesn't need to know what you're calling about. I don't know. Oh, by the way, we can talk about trees and shrubs and herbaceous perennials and all kinds of stuff and annuals. Uh, don't be doing any annuals yet. Well, the garden centers don't even have them, so don't worry about it. But uh, I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and if you'd like for me to come to your home, and check out your plant world and give you some recommendations and some insights and things like that, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. You can contact me, and we'll set up a time and date. So let's head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning. I was wondering, with this hard freeze, uh, will that have any effect, hopefully positively, getting rid of them, the galls that are on the oak trees? <clears throat> no, it won't have, have any impact on them at all. Uh, I was hoping that it could do something to kill the spy, uh, wasp or whatever, the eggs or whatever. But anyway, is it too early to cut back on hibiscus and mums? Uh on the mums, probably not. If make sure that you got the little bitty green leaves at the base to make sure that it's they survived, and yeah. uh, you know, so it's a little bit early. But uh, with the way it's uh, you know the weather has been, I don't know what the forecast is for the next couple of weeks, but uh, you should be okay. Okay, and the hibiscus also the hardy hibiscus. Cut right. Them, yeah, they, they can definitely be cut back. That gives me something to do outside. <laughs> well. Until until the real the real spring comes along. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it is still right, very early. Right. Well, thank you. Okay. Bye now. Yep. 
and 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We can talk about um, what's your ground cover, and maybe you need a different kind of ground cover, or what's the growing medium in your pots, and is there any bugs other than the galls the gentleman was just talking about that uh, you should be concerned with? Yes, they do have a real detrimental impact on plant material. And he was right. It is a wasp that rips on the underside, basically, of a branch and lays eggs in there. And what that gall does is protect those eggs and the larvae as they are babies. So uh, I'll share my knowledge to help you make good decisions. And the action you ultimately end up taking, that is going to be up to you because there's lots of different stuff going on. And we have probably the most unique an unusual circumstance, or not the most, but one of the most unique, with this transition zone that we're in where the north plant material and the south plant material sort of butt heads. And sometimes certain years, one does a lot better than the other one does, and you really never know what's going to go on. So you do have you know, the option of giving us a, you know, a call if you have any questions. And... Uh, Drainage, that's one of the very things that uh, is with our clay soils and everything else that has a real true impact. And some of the plants that are better for wetter soil circumstances, a lot of the ornamental grasses do very well in wet soils. Big blue stem, giant reed grass, feather reed, Japanese blood grass, maiden, ribbon, Variegated cords, sedges, <laughs> I don't want to say, but this is clump bamboo and golden groove bamboo as well. So those are some of the ornamental grasses that really love wet soil areas. So if you've got a wet soil area, you don't want to try to, let's say, take care of it. There's aesthetic things that do very well in those locations. Let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have deer that come through the garden, and they got a hold of one of my red silver maples and kind of did their rutting. So I'd like to know, last year the tree, it budded out, it was beautiful, but it started turning, uh, the leaves started turning way too early and they started falling off. What can I do to bandage that rutting area? There's really not too much you can do. The uh, old sealants and things like that from oh, quite a while ago, they had lead in them, and that uh, once they took the lid out, it basically does nothing except kind of aesthetically cover up the open wounds. But <clears throat> any kind of frayed bark or anything like that, you know, take a razor blade knife and cut all that off. But other than that, there's really not too much you can do. So you would just you just shiver the old and even the wound the wound of the, on the tree you kind of shiver that off too. Yeah, anything that's frayed, any frayed bark is basically what you're getting rid of. Okay, and then I wouldn't wrap it with anything. Uh, you don't probably maybe for a, a protection standpoint, uh, maybe some corrugated uh, black plastic uh, pipe. Split it down the, the length and then put it around the spot if you can. Oh, put it right around that this that spot. Right. Okay. Just to you know, right. prevent it, oh. uh, kind of keep the sun from, let's say, burning down on it and everything else. But that variety oh, of maple that you have is not really a super hardy variety for here. So 
I'm glad you no. had success with it. Yeah, it's it's beautiful on top of the hill. But that deer came along and decided that it liked it too. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. All right, I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Sure, Bye-bye. my pleasure. And now let's go over to Guy's yard. Hi, Guy. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, we planted a Japanese maple last fall and uh, didn't do anything to it other than just planting it the correct way. Should we do any kind of pruning at all on it this spring? Definitely not. You want to leave okay. the maximum amount of leaves, at least for the first two years after the planting, because the leaves are what makes food, and then consequently it shares that food that is manufactured uh, with the root system and with the rest of the tree in general. So the more food that's available, the better it is as far as the tr- you know the tree getting acclimated to the new location. Okay, very good. Yeah. Thank you. That's really with any kind of woody plant material. Should, no pruning at all for the first couple of years. So like okay. I said, the chlorophyll, for that's the food, and the plants really need it. So, good luck with that, Guy. All right. Thank you. Sure. Other things that you need to be thinking about, uh, let's say a wet soil circumstance, trees that like wet soils, the Ammer maple, which is a relatively small maple tree. It's going to be about 15 feet high. But if you want giant trees, then like the bald cypress, which gets massive over a period of time, and watch out for the bald cypress just kind of in general uh, because ultimately as time goes on, they're going to start you know, producing what is called knees. And because bald cypress are native to swamp areas, these are things that come up to you know, air, allow this, the bald cypress to get air so it's like a kind of an elbow that sticks up out of the ground. And black gums, they're pretty good size, but they're very slow growing, and they have excellent fall color. Crimson king maple, willow oak, red sunset maple, river birch, and weeping willow. Weeping willow is another one that gets a little bit massive, and their root system can be pretty detrimental too as far as an aesthetic standpoint. It doesn't – I mean, it prevents plants from growing, you know, let's say, up close to the ground, uh, up close to the trunk of the tree. But that's with all these, the maples do the same thing as well. The willow oaks, not so much, but they're all going to have surface roots because really the surface roots on trees grow in the top, uh, let's say, uh, let's say top 12 inches. And then the, those feeder roots, that's what absorbs the nutrients and moisture and then sends it up the tr- to the trunk, and then out to the you know to the greenery, whether it's leaves or needles or anything else. So those are the trees that do really quite well. Shrubs that do well in a wetter soil: choke cherry, deciduous winterberry holly, which is a holly tree, which will have red berries, of course, uh, and consequently, they do lose their leaves in the wintertime. Inkberry, which is a type of holly as well, and it's a dark-berried holly. Pussy or goat willow, red twig dogwood, which are really quite spectacular, especially if you get some of the, the hybrids. White spire and summer sweet, those are all plants that do really well in wet soil conditions. So with our clay soils and everything else, wet soil is you know something that's really kind of common. So... Just kind of keep that in mind when you uh, 
head out to your favorite garden center and you're looking for something to help you solve some of the problems. Uh, other things that you need to be thinking about in relationship to drainage is just uh, where your downspouts are shooting the water out and realize that it can contribute to the overall drainage circumstance with where these downspouts come shooting out. I've put an extension on one of my downspouts that came off my that comes off our garage uh, to make it so the actual downspout will shoot the water out into the alleyway and not into the bed space that I have right there. Though the plants I have there can handle that wet soil, I just aesthetically I don't, you know, it looks a little bit mushy and I just don't, you know, I just did it because I didn't like how it looks. But anyway, if you have any questions or concerns, we got phone lines open, 314. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade yes folks 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 let's head over to penny's yard hi penny hi how are you very good i just have a i have a quick question my um, hydrangeas i did not cut them back last year so when do i cut those back you can do it now. I can do it now. Yeah. And also one more thing, um, chameleon ivy, how do I get rid of that? <laughs> uh, broadleaf weed killer. <laughs> broadleaf, broadleaf weed killer. Okay. Right. And if I, can I spray that around those hydrangeas or will that bother the hydrangea? Yeah, just so you don't get it on the foliage. Most herbicides have to be in contact with a, a foliage, a leaf or something like that have any impact so just do it for you know before their foliage starts emerging okay all right thank you yep and let's head over to rosemary's yard hi rosemary 
Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I want to know when can I prune a holly bush? Uh, do you have to prune it? You're better off not it's, to. Okay, it's getting huge, oh. and it's, it's kind of hitting my garage. Oh. And I'm afraid I'm going to, you know, when I pull the car out, I'm going to hurt it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, I'm going to hurt the car and the bush. Yeah. That's one of those things where, you know, when you're planting a lot of things, you're not looking at the mature size, and that's right. kind of what the problem is. So just kind of watch where it's just edge it off, I guess. Yeah, I would way. say just, you know, tip it. And um, there's not really to Basically, now what what type of holly are these? Do you know what? Do they have the no. berries? No, I don't. They have red berries, yeah. They do have red berries? Yeah. So uh, I would say just go ahead and uh, get them pruned before any kind of new growth starts okay. emerging. Okay. And also I have some shrubs there, and they have a discolored top, some of them. It looks like it was sunburned or something. It was probably a winter burn, actually. There was okay. a lot of broadleaf evergreens got damaged by that cold that we just had. Okay, okay. Well, should I prune those too? Or? You can, and or you can wait, and uh, they're not going to green up again, so you might as well cut them off, especially okay. aesthetically okay. if they bother you. Okay, but I can cut them now. Yeah, get it done okay. before any kind of new growth starts emerging. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Bye. And now let's see what's going on in Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hi, morning. Um, I have a front yard which is bisected by my front uh, walk. On one side, I've got a bunch of some ivy that's been there for years and years. Uh, the last year and a half, two years, I've been inundated with honeysuckle, and I'd like to get rid of the honeysuckle. As far and and keep the ivy there? Uh, yeah, if I can, but if I can't, and I, I thought about maybe something chemical to wipe out everything and then start again. Yeah. I, now, is this vine honeysuckle or shrub honeysuckle? Oh, this is vine. Yeah, it's, that's what it's I horrible. thought. <laughs> I pull it up. <laughs> yeah, there's not really going to be too much you can do. As, okay. Uh, you know, if the ivy's healthy, that's a you know, it's unfortunate circumstance. The only thing you could do is try to dig the uh, you know the honeysuckle vines out. And... Oh Lord! <laughs> yeah. Like I said, the yeah. ivy's been there for a couple of decades. So it, and it's still healthy. That's kind of unusual. Yeah. Usually yeah. they hit sort of an, an age limit where they kind of start declining and get it a little bit thin. Yeah, well, okay, so it all has to go, basically. Right, exactly. Okay, okay, thank you. Yep, so you could use an herbicide or you could just, you know, have somebody come with, you know, a professional type person that could just dig it out. Very, very good. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. All and right. let's, from Joe's yard, let's go over to Glenn's yard. Hi, Glenn. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, uh, I have a black walnut tree that my uncle planted in my yard 49 years ago. Whoa. And uh, it has produced, produced, produced. And there was no homes behind my house when we moved here. And uh, the, uh, the 
my uncle, when he planted that tree, uh, it was just a lawnmower distance between the fence line, the property line, uh-huh. and the uh, and the tree. Now I can get a lawnmower between the tree and the and the fence, but the people the people that are living behind me, they've lived there probably for thirty years, and they don't like my walnut tree because of the residue. And uh, these nuts do. They're an, an aggravation. But <laughs> uh, last Sunday morning, uh, I woke and looked out my back window, and there was there was a per, there was a man in the top of my walnut tree, and they had already cut off three limbs on that side of of my walnut tree, and they're laying on the ground. There's nothing I can do after. The limbs are on the ground, so right. I went down and discussed it. I I didn't get angry or carry on, but uh, the tree now is the people didn't like it, so they the limbs are laying in their yard and they cleaned it up very nice. Now it it's uh, I don't know what to expect out of this big old tree after all these years. After all, half of the tree has been trimmed away. And could you have any idea, please, uh, of what area I could do with? Uh, to be honest, that? yeah, a tree of that age and everything else, it's uh, you know, it'll probably keep stay persistent, and it's gonna, you know, the growth is gonna continue coming more more your direction, obviously. So apparently, they had some an arborist come out, so he knew what he was doing because a normal person, let's say that is not an arborist wouldn't be climbing up in a tree and cutting big branches off. But uh, other than that, there's not too much you can do. So just kind of keep your fingers crossed and hopefully you can get another couple of years out of it. Uh, the other option would be to have the, the entire tree removed because, uh, I mean, when you said that you can get your mower in between the fence and the tree trunk, there's nothing really there to mow. Well, so. The grass, but the residue from the squirrels and the nuts covers pretty well covers the ground right. in, the, in the winter. <laughs> right, and exactly. It's, it's an aggravation in a sense, and I wonder if my uncle was thinking about those things <laughs> when he planted that tree forty nine years ago. Yeah, people generally don't think about maturity and what's you know what ultimately is going to happen, and especially to put it that close to a property line. I'm surprised there's not power lines that went through there or anything else, and. It's growing up in no. the Amron or whatever lines. Well, in Saint, in Saint Charles, it, in the city, there there's no uh, 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 power lines in the air. They're all in the ground. Oh well, that's and, great. Oh, it's fantastic, yes, sir. So that uh, you know, you can live with it until it really starts declining. And uh, other than that, other than taking the tree down, that's about the other uh, the only other option that's going to make any kind of difference. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you for the information. Sure. Yeah, and, my pleasure. And, uh, and I appreciate your show, sir. Well, I thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having me on your show. And now let's go to Lynette. Hi, Lynette. Hello. Hi. I have a quick question, or two questions, actually. Um, one's about, um, I have three amaryllis that I've kept in the garage, you know, over and brought them out, I don't know, a month or so ago, put them in their spot, and I do not see any kind of growth. Should I just give up on those? No, I mean, if the bulb still felt firm 
And you have them inside in a sunny window, right? Yes. So that's about all you can do. You just have to kind of wait. So if the bulbs don't feel firm, then they're probably not going to produce. Right. They probably rotted. Okay. Especially if they were in a garage and they were just kind of sitting up, uh, you know, in the open and stuff because we that's cold that we had really did some damage. I, I was going to talk about that a little bit later. To some tropical plants that I have for years put in the garage, and they've always done really well, but this last cold spell, they turned them into mush. Mm, okay. Well, I might have to check them a little better and throw them away. I don't know. <laughs> Right, just you know, feel them if they don't feel firm, or give them a sniff and see if they you know smell rotty, and that yeah. that was you know sort of a signal to head out to the garden center and get a new one. All right, sounds good. So the other question is, um, we have two uh, money trees, and they're about a year and a half old as a gift, and. Um, they need new soil desperately. So I'm wondering with the money tree, should I keep it in the same size pot when I add the new soil, or should I go ahead and uh, get a little bigger pot? Now, what do you th- why do you think it needs you know new soil? Well, because it's it it's just all uh, you know kind of like gone after just watering and watering and. Well, it just looks like it needs some soil around it. Well, make sure that you use potting mix because they're in pots, right? They are. Yeah, potting. You know, use a potting mix, and then get a pot that's about an inch or two bigger than the existing pot. Don't get a really huge one or anything. Okay. But to, all right, because yeah. I think they're going to do well. I mean, they look pretty good and um, great. Anyway, they're kind of fun, so. Yeah, and basically get it done before, you know, too much longer so they can be well potted and everything before, you know, their growth cycle comes. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I, I always love your slogan that it's a, it's not a sprint. I have a solution for the honeysuckle, but it's going to take some time. You obtain some of those bud vases from your local florist and put in the uh, barky uh, um, uh, weed killer, and you put those on the clipped ends of the honeysuckle, and that will kill that bit of honeysuckle, but you have to keep repeating that all over your yard wherever you find those, those vines. Right. Yeah, that works really well because, you know, you basically open up a wound and then, you know, that wound will absorb the, you know, the woody, you know, woody herbicide. Correct. But that it takes a while. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, if you're patient and you just add that little bud vase uh, to the ends of each of those pieces of the honeysuckle, right. eventually you'll eradicate it all. Great. Well, good idea. Okay. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Sure. My pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages, and we'll be talking to Mary. (music) 
Let's head over to Mary's yard and see what's going on. Hi, Mary. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I have a blue spruce, and it might be 16 feet tall, but I want to trim all the bottom limbs off so that I can see a trunk and then the tree to go up. When should I trim that back? You better to better off to get it done ASAP pretty soon. ASSP. Okay, yeah. I'll get on that today. And Thank basically, you. if they're longer branches, cut them off in sections. So, in other Section. words, with a final cut, you're only going to leave about a quarter inch stub, and that will leave a cambium layer, and that's all part of the bark system, and that will encourage it to heal. If you cut it right at the bar, at right at the trunk then that yeah. could cause a, a long-term open wound. Okay. The, the trunk and stay a quarter of an inch away whenever I make that cut? The final cut, right. So, in oh. other words, if oh. the branches are like 10 feet long, cut them off, you know, in sections, like three-foot sections at a time. Because okay. if you cut it right at the, you know, where the final cut's going to be, the weight yeah. of the branch could tear the bark, and that opens a wound, and that could cause problems. So that's why um, you want to cut it back in sections or segments. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much. Thank so, you. Bye now. Yeah, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hello. Hi. Hi. I have approximately a 50-acre tract of property uh, that is a wooded area. And in that wooded area, I have a variety of soft and some hardwoods. In that uh, tract of property, I have, I don't know whether you want to call it a lake or a pond. I don't know what discriminates uh, uh, the size to call it one of those two. But it's approximately three acres of water. And around that water, there is a plant growing that I'm told is called Phragmite. And... What I want to do is try to eradicate that, if at all possible. And so what I'm wanting to do is possibly at this time of the year to maybe burn that Phragmite off so that I can get better accessibility to try to contain the growth because it's really getting out of control. Do you have any recommendations? I mean, you could burn it. So in other words, it's a grassy-type plant, correct? Correct. Right. So the other option would be to use a grass killer on it. But uh, if you want to try to burn it, I would just do one small section to see how successful it actually is. Because even if it looks brown due to wintertime, you may just be basically burning off the blades. And then consequently, the, the crown and the root system are still there and still viable. And then it's going to start... When the weather warms up a little bit, it's going to start you know, producing new blades, new growth. Well, the plant itself is about 8 to 10 foot tall. So trying to spray it and to control the vegetation, i got to get to the base of the plant. And I can't mow it because I can't get to it. Right. I understand. So uh, that was the reason I was looking to burn it. Uh, and then uh, come back uh, with backpack application to try to uh, apply a uh, uh, vegetation control. Right. So what state is this location? Illinois. Okay. I would call the University of Illinois Extension Service and see what they'd recommend. Okay. 
Okay. As far as the control right. goes. All right. Because, I mean, you got a lot of plants here. If it's going around a three-acres pond slash lake, I don't know what the difference is. I think it's just your own personal preference on what you want to call it. Yeah, my view is if you're going to build a a house on it, you're building it on a lake. If you're just going to look at it, it's a pond. Ha, well, that's a good definition. So, again, the University of Illinois Extension Service, or you can go on, on... www.mobot, M-O-B-O-T, that's Missouri Botanical Garden, .org, and see what they say as far as control goes. What about the Forestry Service? Would they have any uh, input on that, do you think? Uh, they may, but the Extension Service would probably be, you know, they're, they're kind of set up to answer questions. The Forestry Service, you may have to... You'd be like a ping-pong ball being knocked back and forth to try to get to somebody that can help you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. Sure, my pleasure. And, Bob, can you do it a little bit quickly? I sure can. Uh, Thanks, Mike. Uh, The gentleman that was just talking about Phragmite. Right. Is that uh, we have dealt with that before? Is that at our pond over in Illinois? Ah. Is that, and what we had to do was actually, and it was a pretty good section around the pond there, we actually had to go down and just basically cut it off at the bottom, burn all of that, and then the following, just follow up with a very strong glyphosate, is that which we get at like a big R store or, or a farm and home store. Right. But we almost had to do full strength. And then you will find out is that those tops is that that seed will stay in the soil for quite some time. I'm so sure. you're going to have to touch it up almost every year for at least two years. Wow. Just two. I thought it would be even a little bit longer than that. No, actually, we, we controlled it within about two year period. As soon as we see it coming up, we made sure is that, that we hit it with a, gly, a very strong glyphosate. But we also put dish detergent in there and make it to, as, as a surfactant to make it stick. Right. Oh, that, I mean, you were really well prepared. Well, yeah, it's it's something is that that we've been trying to eradicate for some time uh, on the farm. Is that and we finally is that we my wife and I declared it. We've really got this area nice and clean now. Well, great. But yeah, burning it, uh, we used one of those weed dragons with a propane tank and just went across there and just singed everything. Made sure it was good and singed. But anything you see green, spray it with that very strong glyphosate. Right. It's you know, it, like I said, is almost a fifty percent glyphosate mixture in there. But putting the dish soap in there and don't use Dawn, but just like a cheap dish detergent, give it a good shot. It makes a surfactant to make it stick. Right. That sure does. It really works well. So that's the way we dealt with it. And uh, I, if you call the extension office, I'm part of the extension, too, with the Master Naturalist, is that in, yeah, this is about one of the only ways you can get rid of Phragmite. It's it's deadly. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, great. Thanks for the nothing is better than experience. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? 
then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting closer, going faster than a roller coaster. Love like yours will surely come my way. Hey, hey, hey. Every Welcome, folks. It's the KM Morse Garden Hotline second hour, which opens with the tip of the trowel. It's special on air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And I'd like to share it with you. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Before the tip of the trial, though, I want to make uh, a kind of a statement. Tracy and I lived for multiple years in Sular before we moved to the South City. So when you're coming down, realize that there are residents that live there and all those houses and everything else. So please, when you're bringing your pets or whatever, be respectful. I mean, we had some people that were really more or less nasty a couple times. So anyway, that's enough of that. <laughs> that and the whole thing through the whole Mardi Gras scenario, it can get really troublesome. And like I said, people are getting a little bit uh, nasty sometimes, and they shouldn't be. So today's tip of the trowel goes out to all the garden centers. They are just flowing with the... Uh, trucks and everything it's a little bit soon for you know the plant material the annuals and perennials and things along that line but all kinds of different things are coming to the garden centers and they are working their tails off to get everything going as soon as possible because punxatani phil he didn't see his shadow and guess what that means spring will be sooner so Punxsutawney Phil and all the garden centers, they get the tip of the trowel today. And thanks for inviting me into your show where we can discuss tropics, <laughs> tropics, topics like best plans for a specific location and how big are those plants going to be. And maybe you shouldn't consider that plant and maybe there's an alternative. And how about uh, maybe plants for your inside like amaryllis or something like that that are very easy to care for. Or a little bit later on for your deck or your patio. Or maybe something that you just kind of want to see when you're walking around in the yard. Caring for your existing plants or selecting new varieties. Correct installation, proper mulching, weed control, lawn care, growing plants in pots or in the ground. When you should be pruning, fertilizing your annuals when you start getting them. Your edibles, your herbs, your vegetables, your fruit trees, warm and seasoned bulbs, evergreen and herbaceous ground covers, or what are the best perennials? Or should you be cutting your roses back yet? Or should you just leave them alone for another couple of weeks? Conifers, deciduous trees, shrubs, growing plants from seed. This is the time of year when you want to start doing that. Remember, my thoughts, answers, comments, and opinions aren't the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider to achieve success. I'm Mike Miller. I've been doing the Garden Hotline since 1994. And before that, I was uh, discharged in 1973 from the Air Force at March Air Force Base in California. I stayed out there 
and studied horticulture, came back to St. Louis to work at the Missouri Botanical Garden, the English Woodland Garden, and the Climatron my last year there. I've taught classes at uh, Merrimack Community College. I taught classes at the Botanical Garden, co-founded the Bug Store, written five gardening books. Uh, I'm just full of it, let's put it that way. And if you'd like to have me come to your home and do a plant consultation recommendation, which I call a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and just the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where you can contact me and we can set up a time. Today's producer and very important member of the team is Drew. He pushes all the buttons and does all the sliders. So when you call, all he needs is your first name, not what you're calling about or anything else. And that makes it easier for him to do all the other stuff that he has to do all at the same time. So let's go ahead and get a call in or two before we take a break. Let's head over to Roxanne's house. Hi, Roxanne. Hi. Uh, we really enjoy your show, so thank you so much for being here. Uh, I only have a couple of questions. Uh, one, we have a large um, jade plant in our window. It's a bunch of plants over time that we put into one pot. And we have some large dogs that have created a bit of damage just rubbing up against it. So some of the leaves have come off, but it looks like small leaves are coming back. But my big question is, a lot of the stalks are are green. So even without the leaves, is it good to keep them on and let them regenerate? Yeah, I mean, it's, they be cut off? Yeah, it's strictly an aesthetic call. So jade plants, uh, you know, are basically shrubs in California and other places where the weather's warmer. And if it's a... Uh, if you've had it for a while, then it's, you know, and you've got dogs, those things happen. And, you, I mean, if they're rubbing up against it, they could even break a branch off, and you could just let that heal and then stick that back into the pot. Great, great. Okay, thank you. And then the uh, second question was, uh, I have a ficus tree I bought, I don't know, about a year ago. No, a, a ficus bonsai that I bought about a year ago. And I've had it at my at my place of work, and it's been really beautiful but over the holidays, it just got ignored, and um, some of the middle portion of it uh, I've probably died. I mean, everything's really, like, it's just dried up. So um, it's looking really bad. So I'm watering it, and the new growth is looking great. So should I prune off the things that clearly are not going to come back? Well, you don't know if they're not going to come back, but uh, ficus trees have a tough time, whether they're a bonsai or a you know, regular one in a tree or in a pot, rather. So you can cut any branches off that don't have any foliage on them if you like, or probably my tendency would be not to rush to do it because that was only a couple months ago and the days are really short at that time. I'd say leave it until, leave them alone until, let's say, June or so. And if the branches that you're talking about don't have any kind of new growth or any buds opening up, then you could prune those out. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much. Those are my questions. And, again, we really enjoy the show, and uh, we'll keep listening. Great. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. And let's see what's going on in Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. My question pertains to trimming boxwoods. In previous years, you know, I would trim my boxwoods with electric trimmers, usually around May or June, you know, when I get full growth. 
and the tips would turn brown. Well, I went online uh, last year at the end, and uh, it was indicated to wait to trim the boxwoods until like right about now, uh, uh, maybe February the 1st of March. Right. What would your thoughts be on that? I agree with that because that gives them a chance to kind of you know, produce new new foliage, new growth on the areas that have been pruned off. Okay. Now, I know it's a little difficult, you know, to be, you know, date-specific, but would you think, like, the end of this month would be good, or um, would I look for new growth to start before I trim? Or no, I would I do it before you, st- before you see any new growth. That okay. way... And don't cut them back too far because you get too deep into a boxwood mm-hmm. and you're getting to a point where there is no functional bud still there. I understand. And thank you so very much. And as I sat here and reflected, and you had mentioned you started in 1994. Right. You know, I think I've been listening to you since 1994. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and learned a lot, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Okay. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Julie's yard. Hi, Julie. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I received my very first amaryllis at Christmas, and it was wrapped in uh, wax. It was sealed in wax. It gave me four big, beautiful blooms, but the stalk that had those blooms is finished. But I have some new growth coming up. But what can I do with this? I've never had anything like this before. And do, can I save it? Can I nurture it? Or is it just a one and done? What do I do with this now? <laughs> you can make it one and done, but you can grow it as a house plant very easily. Just get like probably a four inch pot, you know, put the, put about a, let's say a quarter inch or a half inch or so of a, pea gravel or some kind of rock or, you know, something along that line, and then fill the rest of the pot up with a potting mix and then just put it in a sunny location. And what you're seeing is leaves. The leaves are going to come out. They'll get, uh, you know, I'm assuming it's a full-size bulb, so they'll probably get a, to be about uh, uh, maybe 12 to 15 inches. And mm-hmm. then uh, later on in September or so, you're going to cut those off. Let this thing go totally dormant. You're not going to water or anything. And then bring it out after about two months, start watering, and you'll get the next sequence of blooms. What do I do with the wax? I That'll just kind of crumble off on its own. Okay, so I can plant it, wax, and everything. Right, exactly. You'll get uh, okay. root systems from the bottom of it, and uh, that's where, the obviously, ro- roots are going to be. But beyond that, you don't really have to do too much. They're really low care. And how often do I water it, and how much do I water? Well, you don't want to get it too wet because anything you know can rot. But uh, 
Just watch the inside of the pot. When you start to see the potting mix shrink away and create a gap between the potting mix and the edge of the, you know, the inside of the pot, then water mm-hmm. it and then don't water it again until that happens. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, in a sunny location for sure. Set it uh, as close to a, a bright sunny window as you can. All right. Will do. Thank you. My pleasure. And let's head over to Eric's. Hi, Eric. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hi, uh, I've got a uh, raspberry bush that I uh, neglected to trim back this past fall. Is it too late to do that? And how far back should I uh, trim it down to? Is it how many stems does it have? Uh, it's about five, six, seven. I would say you can do the you know get it pruned you know as soon as you possibly can because they're going to be you know flowering and then obviously with the flowering is you're going to get the fruit. But uh, so, you know, go ahead and prune it and cut it back. Uh, how tall are they? Oh, wow. Um, probably about 12 feet. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <It's hot. laughs> that could be a stretch. Uh, eight feet. So I would cut it back halfway. Halfway. Okay. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, you know, it's finally, you know, um, uh, they're bent over and whatnot, but right. uh, rule of thumb halfway down. Yeah, generally. And uh, you must have had them for several years if they got that big. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, forgotten about. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can I ask you another question? Sure. Uh, a mulberry tree. Um, can you explain how to take a cutting from that? Um, uh, when and uh, how to propagate it? Uh, basically, you want to get a rooting hormone at your favorite garden center for woody plants. You want to cut uh, about, uh, let's say, 12 to 15 inch off the end of the branches. Make the cut at a 45 degree angle. Dip the cut where you made into the rooting hormone and then get a small pot, let's say a four to six inch pot. You're going to grow them in the pot for a couple years. And what you want to do is get a potting mix for starting, you know, new plant material. Then sink that pot into a garden space in a, in a sunny location, like I said, for a couple of years until it can get its root system established, and then you can put it in your landscape. Okay, fantastic. Um, should, can I take the cutting while it's dormant? Or yeah, you want to do it when it's dormant. Okay, uh, right about now would be a good time, I Yeah, guess, or, this is fine. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Mike, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to go to Don's yard. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yes, to the phones we go. Let's go over to Don Chart. Hi, Don. I'm not going to you. Very good. Uh, I've got a pretty big front yard, and I'd like to know about three good perennials that I can plant uh, that will come up this year, that will actually bloom out this year with big flowers on them. You, you, are you, the, you have a bed that you're going to plant them in? No, I'm going to plant them in the yard. So out in the out in your lawn area? Yeah, right. 
So you're going to have to actually prepare that soil before you put any okay. kind of perennials in there. Okay. And okay. so they, what you want to do, probably the toughest things that are going to give you uh, blooms during the first season would be many of the sun, you know, the sunflower family, like Coreopsis, okay. Shasta daisies, those type of plants. So just go to your favorite okay. garden center and tell them you want some, you know, sunflower family members that are going to, but the Coreopsis is going to be a really a good one. Okay. You, you mentioned the, the plant in the lawn. How would you do that? Well, you're going to have to like, Get rid of the grass. You're going to have to turn okay. that turn that soil over and mix in some compost in with the soil, so okay. some organic matter. So you can't just stick it in the you know in the lawn area and expect them to. I mean, they'll bloom in the first year, but the survivability is going to be minimal. Okay, okay. And these plants, okay. you know, the sunflower family all want to be in bright sun. They don't want to be underneath shade trees right. or anything right. else. Right, right. Okay, then. Nice block. Yeah, and there's probably 20 different varieties of the sunflower family that do really well here. And let's see, where should we go? Let's go over to Betty's yard. Hi, Betty. Hi. Hi. Um, I wanted to ask you about tree roses. About 10 years ago, I tried to raise them, have some in my yard, and they were just such high-maintenance plants. Do they have any better varieties now? No. <laughs> tree rose is something, what it is is a rose bush that's been grafted to a fruit tree trunk. So anytime you graft something like that onto something else, survivability and aesthetics and everything else is good. Beyond the first maybe first two years, the aesthetics go downhill really quick, even if they can survive. Yeah, I found they're really high maintenance. Right, and they it's still so sur- pretty. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, if we have a really severe snap like we did earlier in the year, it could kill the rose bush off. But the trunk that it's growing on, like a fr- it's a fruit tree trunk, they can survive, but the actual rose bush can't. Oh, so it's not a recommended plan. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> if you want to spend $30 for sure, go ahead. And you get yeah. you know, one or two years out of it. But, I mean, they need the rose food. They need, like you said, they are higher maintenance for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Sure. I don't want to discourage you, but <laughs> reality hurts sometimes. Let's go over to Frank's yard. Hi, Frank. Hello. Hi. Yeah, hey, Mike, uh, I was curious about something. Many years ago, you said you were co-founder of the Bug Store. Correct. And uh, I had visited there after going to the Botanical Gardens, and I was always fascinated with uh, praying mantis. And they they had praying mantis eggs there, and I bought some. And they said, well, put them in a jar, and when they start hatching, get them out of there real quick. Right. Because they'll eat each other up. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so maybe I didn't uh, watch it close enough. I might have gotten one or two, but I was told they're like the uh, um, – what do I – Trinoceros Rex of the the bug kingdom. In other (laughs) words, if you've got bugs – they're going to find them. And 
they're so interesting to look at. I'm just wondering, can you still get eggs like that? I've got a big property, and I'd love to see a lot of these guys around. You know? uh, yeah, you probably have to go online to find them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you had any experience with trying to do something from the egg sacs to, uh, let's say, actually them maturing into something? Yeah, I didn't, you know, put them in a jar or anything. I just, you know, sort of sprinkled them around in my landscape. Now, they oh. do have a tendency to migrate away. So, uh-huh. I mean, that's just because you put them in your yard, they don't have a leash around them and say, well, you can't oh, go anyplace. Right, right, right. right. Okay, well, I, uh, you know, as with everybody else, uh, I listen to you all the time, and it's uh, it's really very informative. Thank you very much. Well, sure, my pleasure. Yeah, at the mm-hmm. bookstore, I wrote the first manual for uh, all the predatory insects we had. It was really a very unique circumstance. Let's see what's going on in Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. Um, Hi. Yeah, I've had some uh, deer damage on uh, some smaller arborvita uh, bushes, and uh, I used a repellent from a big box store that's primarily garlic, and garlic seems to be the main active ingredient. Right. And it didn't work very well. And I was wondering, is is there any other products that would escalate things a little bit? Well, maybe a combination of, but uh, Irish Spring Soap, and then last week somebody called, and uh, she had a location where, I forget exactly what it, you know, where she worked or whatever, but they took Irish Spring Soap bars and then just shaved pieces around at the base uh-huh. of the plant material. I uh-huh. Historically, I've always just stuck them on a stick or something like that and put a couple around what I've, you know, trying to keep them away from because they don't like this, you know, this, let's say the smells too spicy for them or whatever. Oh, so the aroma coming off. Exactly. The, right. Okay. All right. Um, another thing on a subdivision property, we've got a, a row of big old mature arborvita that the deer are chew, chewing up. Right. And they're old enough that I think they might die. You know, they've been, Cleaned uh, about five foot high. Whoa! And, <laughs> yeah, they, it's it's weird because they uh, those tr- those trees are pretty old, and just three years ago, I think the deer decided that they like to eat them. Right. <laughs> After all these years, um, are you? I was thinking about replacing them. Are you familiar with a ligustrum vulgare swift? It's uh, they say it's two to four feet wide and twelve feet high, and uh, I planted one just as a trial last fall, and the deer left it alone. So <laughs> I got that much accomplished. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, uh, that particular plant, I don't have any personal experience with it, but yeah. they generally don't like things that have spiky. You know, needles. Oh, okay. So even something as simple as a U would work. So you don't have to have anything too, you know, too exotic or anything. Uh, U's or, like I say, a, a Colorado spruce tree or any of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. where an arborvitae has, you know, a nice soft. And the reason why you didn't have them early, who knows? 
But once they find, uh, let's say, a place to have lunch or a snack or whatever, yeah. they they do droppings, and they use those droppings to find their way back to the same place to get the same food over and over and over again. Do any of the ewes get up to maybe like 10 foot? Uh, it's going to be a long, involved process. Yeah, it'd be many years. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go to Chris's yard now. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. Hi. Hi, Mike. Um, I uh, I had a couple of things. One, on uh, the guy that was talking about the Phragmites around the, the pond versus lake, um, just real quick comment on what I've heard. I have a, a three-acre water body, and I've been told anything over an acre is a lake and anything under is a pond. Ah. But, I have I have a friend that likes to aggravate me by calling my three acre lake a pond. So, <laughs> um, anyway, um, and and I had um, cattail issues with that, and and what I wound up doing is when we got those hard long freezes on that, right? Um, I I just burned everything down, and it took about two or three years to get rid of it. So, in the cold weather, it. You know, if you got snow on the ground and that, it's kind of safe to burn and get rid of stuff, but it does take time. So, sure. Uh, anyway, um, the other question I had is I, I have um, been trying to establish, reestablish a cedar tree boundary on my property. Somebody took out five very mature trees, and for years I've been trying to get them back by moving. I, I've tried moving them as tall as 10 feet and as short as like six feet. Um, and I think I'm finally at the point, I'm just going to like try to dig up some babies that are maybe three foot tall and pot them. I wanted to see if potting them for a while would be a good idea to get them good and established and maybe set the pots where they're going to eventually be planted. Cause I, they keep, you know, I've, I've been keeping up on the watering and stuff and they're still having difficulty getting them to survive. Um, so I was just curious of what you might think about potting them and what kind of what kind of mixture should I use in the pots if that was what I was going to do. Yeah, you can do the, you know you can do the potting for sure, but you can't just set them in a location that you're going to ultimately grow them in because they could be killed by our our screwball weather, whether it be too much rain, too much you know cold, too much this, too much that. So you got to sink the pot into a gr- into the ground where you're planning on uh, planting them. Now also realize that if you get the juniperus, you know, from Japan, it's not going to get the cedar apple rust. Where the the local one, are you know, the cedars that are native to here do get cedar apple rust, and that causes problems between crab apples and apple trees, and you know, the whole group. So just kind of keep that in mind. So digging up is probably the ones that are you know native, and if you if you're okay with that, then don't worry about it. But uh, yeah, put them in a pot for you know get a potting mix for starting plant material, even though these are not just starters, and then you know then just stick them into the ground about half bury about half the pot, and then let them grow in the pot. Okay, and then does it need to be like a a pot that'll deteriorate eventually, um, like one of those 
fabric pots. You could do that, or you could just use a regular black a black plastic nursery pot, just like nurseries do. And then when it's you know oh, it, you think they're well established enough, you can just pull them out of the pot and plant them in the location where you want them to grow. Oh, I got you. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. Sure. Good luck with that. Thanks. Yep. So again, the native one does cause a disease between apple trees and. What happens to the junipers is they get these really, like, gushy-looking orange balls on them. And then ultimately it will kill the apple trees and will kill the junipers, too. So just keep that in mind. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Head over to John's yard. Hi, John. Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, I got a question. I put pre-merger down about September 5th last year. When would be a safe time to reseed? Uh, it's usually going to be effective for maybe two months at the most, and putting it down that late is not really going to be to the advantage of you know what you expect out of it. So for to kill the winter type, the cool season annual weeds, you should put it down mid-late August. Mid-late, then. okay, so it was a little bit too late. Okay. Right. Now, my second question is, my yard faces the southeast, no sun all day, or all sun all day. What would be the best kind of a grass to put down for that type of exposure? Probably uh, your fescues. Fescues. Right. Like a mixture, maybe? Yeah, always a blend. I always think of blends are better than... You know, just one solid variety because you never know if some weird disease is going to come come around and just knock that one out. Okay, Mike. Hey, I appreciate your call, uh, help. Thank sure. you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Randy's yard. Hi, Randy. Good morning, Michael. I'm one of your proud 1994 listeners. <laughs> well, great. I'm, Thanks. I'm, I'm here to settle the question about ponds and lakes. Ah. I have. My dad, that once, we were hunting, we came across a pond, and I called it a lake. And he said, no, that's a pond. And I said, what's the difference? He said, if you can throw a rock across it, it's a pond. If you can't, it's a lake. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> well, great. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and if you're a major league baseball player, you could probably throw a little bit further than – anyway. Let's go to Gene's yard now. Hi, Gene. Mike, hi, good morning. How are you, sir? Very good. Mike, I built a raised flower bed at the end of my deck, and it's about 66 inches long, 20 inches deep, and 18 inches high. And at the bottom of it, I've got quarter-inch gaps in between the slats. I've got a line with river rock on the bottom for drainage. And I was going to use, for a potting medium, I was going to use raised bed soil and add mushroom compost to it. Uh, my question is, it's a lot of sun, and I want to plant something because it is on the end of my deck for aesthetics. I want something colorful, uh, easy to maintain. I'm thinking something along the lines of geraniums and petunias, and I'd appreciate your advice. Well, those are fine. Uh, you know, just realize that they're not going to get very big, and the geraniums are going to not do a whole lot. The petunias realize that there's a couple different kinds. Some cascade, some grow more or less like a, a lump or a hump. So just keep okay. you know keep that you know in mind when you start picking them out. Any other suggestions as far as a, a plant 
that would do well on a raised bed like that? Uh, I think it's going to, there's lots of different ones. I think it's going to be personal choice as much as anything. As soon as the garden centers get to, you know, loaded up with the plant material, I would just go out and, you know, just check them. So I don't know how. Pardon me? I think the cascading petunia is a good choice. Yeah, I mean, that would cascade over. And you might want something that's a little bit vertical, you know, a little more vertical. So think about uh, there's varieties of cannas, which is a tuber or a bulb. And you can get the ones with the yellow stripes Mm -hmm. on the leaf. And then they'll get the flowers as well. Maybe the combination of those kind of things. Sounds great. I appreciate your advice. Thank you. Have a good day. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Marsha's yard. Hi, Marsha. Hi. Uh, I have some compost, or I'm sorry, mulch that I bought last year. And I noticed that the bags had uh, some mold in the bottom. Is it okay to use that, or should I just throw it away? No, it's fine. Just you know, spread it around so the mold should, the fresh air should take care of that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and something that grows... You know, mold like that grows on dead stuff. So, in other words, mulch is really dead plant material. So it won't impact any kind of live plant material. All right. Thank you so much. Sure. And now over to Linda's. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I just have a quick question. Um, I didn't think I had one for you today, but when I heard you advertising St. Louis composting, I thought, does the the yard waste in that that we put out for our trash men, does that go to St. Louis Composting, or where do they get all that, what they turn into compost? I know you said some restaurants and schools and that, but does our yard waste go there too? Some of of them may, but like uh, landscape contractors and people like that, tree services that, you know, take down trees and then run them through chippers, it's all kinds of sources that uh, they get materials from. Yeah, I was hoping that they got most of the stuff we put out, like leaves and grass and all that stuff. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, there, <laughs> I can ask them next time I go there, right? Yeah, I mean, there are. You wouldn't believe how many different you know landscape contractors and cities and things like that drop stuff off. Yeah, that's great stuff. Thanks for the great show. We love it. Sure. Well, thank you. And now let's go over to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hey, I got a American elm. It's supposed to be a, a disease-resistant one. Anyway, a big limb cracked out of it. And now I got a big open or a wound on the side of the tree. My question is, does that, I know you're going to tell me I shouldn't use it, but that black tar stuff that you put over wounds, will that prevent the bark from, will the bark grow over that? No, it won't. It won't. So don't use that because if you want to, if you hope the bark will grow over the wound. Yeah, the wound, it depends upon how deep it is. But trees have something called a cambium layer. And the cambium layer is the one that heals over a wound type thing or a pruning wound. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, one that's done by storms or something along that line. It kind of goes deep into the heartwood, but it will be a slow process. Days of old, people used to put cement in there and all kinds of different things, and it really didn't do anything at all. Okay. Okay, well, thank you. So don't use that stuff. Okay. Yeah, don't bother. Right. <laughs> yeah, or any kind of you know paint or sealer or anything at all. So basically, we're kind of at this who knows what the weather's going to be like, so don't get really excited about doing anything. And the garden center's... They're getting mainly dry goods and pots and things like that. But you can, they, a lot of them have, you know, trees that have overwintered in their, the nursery grounds. 
So you can still plant woody plant material. The herbaceous things, they just don't have them yet, so don't get really anxious about doing it. But uh, kind of just just enjoy the sort of the, what I hope is the end of winter. <laughs> I'm getting a little tired of naked trees. I love leaves. I like evergreens. They're fine. They're wonderful. But uh, I can't wait for all the trees to start leafing out. But it's probably still going to be a little bit of time. So just, you know, kind of just keep that in mind that uh, ah, we got the four seasons and we're only like partway through one of the seasons. So just have a good day. Enjoy the sun and uh, have fun. That's what it's all about. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.